Christian today. Glad you're saved. Amen. Glad that Jesus passed by that day. My oh my, I tell you, sometimes I think as believers we kind of get the long face, you know, and uh, that's not really something that we ought to be uh, majoring on. That ought to be a minor at the best, and we ought to be grateful and glad and excited about being a born-again believer, and even in the midst of the difficult times in our lives, we have someone and something to hold on to that the world has no clue about. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles, turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we began this section of our series. Of course, we're dealing with the mysteries, and we're talking about those. And so tonight we're going to do another one. We're going to look at another mystery. Now, last week we talked about the virgin birth, God manifest in the flesh. And uh, that's pretty good. I thought that was real good. 
I didn't say the message was, I just said that thought's very good. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We started talking about just the uh, idea that we're stewards. And in this particular case, uh, we see that Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he's basically saying, you know, I've been made a steward over something I've been given to teach. And as a steward, I've got to be faithful in taking care of it. Now again, there are some mysteries of God that a man has been given to take care of. He's to be faithful in preserving them. These mysteries are in the Pauline epistles. They apply to the body of Christ. These mysteries, however, are not only Paul's, but they're yours and mine to care for as well. And it's something that we have to be aware of. And in the passage, Paul tells us again that there are some mysteries then that you and I must be faithful stewards of. And as we said last week, we noted, first of all, the mystery of the virgin birth or, the, or God manifest in the flesh. We cannot be negligent to recognize that and to preserve and protect that truth, to not give in to it, not to compromise in this area. But tonight I want to talk to you about another mystery, and it's, uh, we're going to turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Let's see what this mystery is. Again, it's a New Testament mystery, or at least it's a, a mystery that's found in the Pauline epistles, and it applies to the body of Christ. That means it applies to you and I. It's important. It's a very, very important truth. And we are to be stewards of it. We're to protect it. We're to... Uh, care for it, if you will. Notice what he says in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 24, and we're going to read through verse 29. <clears throat> Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Again, the Apostle Paul is sharing a mystery again. And in this particular case, he makes it very clear that it's been hid from ages and from generations. It's hidden. It means it was unknown. Unknown, at least, prior to Paul revealing it. God using him to reveal it. What was that mystery that was being hidden? Well, it was Christ in you, the hope of glory, he says. That is something that the Old Testament saint could not see. It's something the Old Testament saint had no clue about. It was something that the Apostle Paul ultimately, through the Holy Ghost, shared with you and I in the New Testament and uh, as believers in Christ. This mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That means Christ is in you. You say, well, that doesn't seem much like a mystery. Really? <laughs> Can you explain that? 
I mean, can you explain how a sin, sinless, perfect, and holy God, who's creator of all the universe and every living thing, could stoop down so low to ultimately move into a sinful, wicked, and vile body like yours or mine? I mean, that to me is a mystery. I mean, just think, when we die, our bodies are going to go back to dust. That's what he chooses to move into. I mean, there is no real redeeming quality when it comes to this old body, is there? I mean, it's sinful, it's sick, and it's full of sorrow, and yet Christ chooses to take up residency and to put up with it. If that isn't a mystery, I don't know what is. Now, seeing that Christ is living in you and, uh, and living in me, then that means that, well, there must be a choice that has to be made as to who's going to sit on the throne of our life then. I mean, if you're being saved, of course, it was obviously you or me. Before Christ moved in, it was me on the throne of my life. Before Christ moved into your heart, your life, it was you on the throne of your life. That's obvious. I mean, there was no competition. There, it was a one-man, one-woman show. But now, with Christ in you, a choice must be made. Hugh Pyle, a preacher from years ago, he once said, the resident should be president. He'd go on to say, the border should be the boss. He's talking about the border, not like down near Mexico way. He's talking about the border of a place. You, you put somebody in your home, he's a border. She's a border. And, he, and, and Christ is boarding in this old body, this old house. And he's saying, listen, I want you to know the border should be the boss. That means that if Jesus Christ is in you today, He ought to be running things and not you. He ought to be running things in my life, not me. If you're a Christian inside you, you've got a throne and there's only room on that throne for one person. Only one. You know, the Bible often talks about, you know, that either it's God or mammon. You can't have both, right? Well, inside you, there's one throne. You can't have you and God sharing the throne. It's one or the other. Whether it's my life or your life, it's one throne, one person on the throne. And you know, when you and I are on the throne, that means Christ isn't. And when you and I are on the throne then that must mean that Jesus is at our feet. And if he's on the throne, then that must mean we're at his feet. I don't know about you, but it's somewhat of a a disgusting thought to think about telling Jesus to get down and bow before me and be at my feet. I think about the Apostle Peter, and remember there came a time when the Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter said, you ain't washing my feet, Jesus. 
You're not going to get down and wash my feet, Jesus. Why would he say that? Because he knew that there's no way in the world that Jesus should ever bow before him. And yet, you know, there's only one throne in your life. Either you'll be on that throne or Jesus will be on that throne. Either I'll be on that throne or Jesus will be on that throne. But the fact is, whoever's not on the throne is going to be at the feet of the one who is. You'll submit to me. That's what we're telling Jesus. When we put it that way, once again, it seems rather disgusting, and yet that's exactly what we do to him. So there's a throne in there. And the resident should be president. The boarder should be the boss. Not only that, but think about how filthy and disgusting it must be inside this old sinful flesh. Now I know, and I get it, I, I do, I understand Christ in us. What a thought, right? I mean, that's an amazing thought. And um, I know that when Christ moved in, he, he did some transformation. I know that the spirit compartment's been quickened and made alive. I understand all that, but yet when we start to think about Jesus Christ in us, it's hard to separate this old wicked sinful flesh from the residency in which he now resides. Can you imagine what he puts up with? There's sin and rebellion, there's stubbornness and lust, there's covetousness that reigns supreme so often in our lives. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Mark chapter 7, verse 21. I mean, think about the conditions of his residency. We talk about a mystery. It's amazing to think that Jesus Christ could move into my life and take a subservient role to my authority. That's a mystery. How he could put up with me on the throne when he created me. Talk about a mystery, Christ in us. The hope of glory. But now we see here, we start thinking about the environment that he must subject himself to, the conditions of his residency. Mark chapter 7 verse 21 says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Notice, For from within, at the beginning of verse 21, and at the end, all these evil things come from within. Well, Jesus lives within. I I know, again, I understand. It it doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, so he obviously is, is set apart from all of that. And obviously he doesn't have to subject himself to that mess. And yet, may I say, he's still living in that mess in a sense. This old flesh, there's nothing good about it. Again, he's done a saving work and a transforming work in our lives. And yet, when I look at my life and I see my flesh and recognize my heart and in the midst of all of it, I can't help but think what a mess I put him through and in. 
Romans chapter 7, verse 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh, the Apostle Paul said, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. There's not one good thing within this old flesh except Christ Jesus in us, the hope of glory. So now in this body there's an old me and there's a, the Lord Jesus Christ then. You say, would you explain that to me? Can't explain it. Who's going to explain that? I mean, really? I mean, I know, I know what it says, and I know what the Bible's saying and teaching, but to how to explain how that all happens and how it all works together and how... Uh, it's a mystery to me. Because God says it is, so obviously I'll never understand it until, at least on this side of heaven. You know, I believe there'll still be a few mysteries when we get to heaven. I think there'll always be things that, well, God alone knows and we don't. But that's okay with me. As long as I'm with him, I'll be all right. You know, think about this also, you know, just for a minute. Just think about this. Okay, let me ask the question. Is Christ in you? Someone says, well, yeah, he's in me. And I say, well, wait a second. That's impossible because he's in me. But then on the other hand, he's in you and 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 in me. Now, how's that possible? You can't explain that. I can't explain that. There's no in the world we can explain that. And I think it's interesting to note what he didn't say. He didn't say in the passage, at least the one we we're looking at in Colossians 1, that the Holy Spirit in you. He said, Christ in you. Now, that's important to note. Literally, Christ is in you, and Christ is in me. In the person of the Holy Ghost, we understand that. Speaking of Jesus Christ, the apostle states that we are complete in Him once we have you know, trusted Christ as our Savior. Colossians 2.10, And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Man, I'm glad, I don't know about you, but I am glad that Christ is in me. Otherwise, I'd be incomplete. But he's not just in me, he's in you. So he's making me complete. He makes you complete. He makes them complete. He makes us all complete in the body of Christ. So how do you explain Jesus Christ in me and Jesus Christ in you and Jesus Christ in every one of the persons that named the name of Christ in this room at the same time? How do you explain that? Well, you couldn't explain if you stayed up all night. Now, when you and I get saved, we add, a, a, if you would, a new nature. And I know uh, that new nature is characterized as having put on the old man in Scripture. Uh, the new man, excuse me. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Now we know that if you're in Jesus Christ, you're a new creature. We understand that. And we know that according to 1 John 3, 9, that that seed which is in you is perfect. I get that. And I understand all those things. However, there's not one of us in the room that would argue that we don't have a propensity still to, 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 to kind of digress and ultimately allow the flesh to raise its ugly head. We all know that there's still that 
temptation to let the, the, the sinful flesh rule and reign in our life, even though we have the divine nature in us. So in a sense, we, it's like we have a dual nature almost. Notice Ephesians 4.24, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now it's interesting about that new man, and it's interesting about how it, he affects our life in general. You know, it's funny, when, when the, you know, having the new man within kind of makes our sinfulness stand out even more than ever. For instance, you've seen those shows, right? You've watched a show before where a person falls into a deep, dark pit, and they find themselves extremely happy that they're still alive and they're well. At least till someone tosses down a lantern or a flashlight revealing the skeletons and creepy crawlers all around them. And then they're like, whoa, you know, and they freak out and they go buck wild, you know. You've, you've seen that, right? Well, the light revealed the grotesque environment around them. Before they had the lantern, before they had the flashlight, they were just happy that they were alive. But now that the light shows up, they see everything around them, and boy, I tell you what, it, it freaks them out. They see more than they had ever imagined, more than they even want to see. And when Christ moves in, the light burst forth within us. The light reveals our true nature more than ever. And often it takes Christ moving in before we can really recognize how wretched and really, uh, how wretched we really are and how, how grotesque our sin is. Now, I, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't bring conviction and doesn't make us aware of how wretched we are, but I think as the Holy Spirit moves in and He, he begins to shed His light abroad within, I, I think that it ought to be a, a kind of a process where we begin to see ourselves even more for what and who we really are. And we ought to come to a place in our life as we grow spiritually and as the light continues to flood our soul that we recognize ourselves as even greater sinners than we ever were. Jonathan Edwards, he said, when I look into my heart and perceive its infinite wickedness, by the way, Jonathan Edwards was the one who preached that sermon, that famous sermon, hands of, um, um, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. They claimed that, that, that he spent days and even weeks preparing and readying himself spiritually prior to coming out and reading that sermon. He read it. Well, you know, this preaching is not very exciting. Jonathan Edwards read it. And people were holding on to pews and holding on to posts trying to keep from falling into hell. Or perceived they were falling into hell. Jonathan Edwards said, When I look into my heart, the great preacher, 
When I look into my heart and perceive its infinite wickedness, I think it's a pit deeper than hell. I want you to think about that. Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher, the man of God, probably not one of us would hold a candle to him. He says, when I look into my heart and perceive its infinite wickedness, I think it's a pit deeper than hell. When's the last time you felt that's how your heart was? When's the last time I thought to myself, my heart's a pit deeper than hell? You know what we think, don't you? If we're honest, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not bad. I mean, I know a lot worse than me. You know, we like to fault the unsaved for that kind of attitude, but the problem is really when the saved have that attitude. We can understand someone that's lost that has no light within them saying, I think I'm a pretty good person. But what's wrong with us as believers when we've come to the place where we don't need to deal with sin anymore? We're perfectly fine the way we are now, and yet the light's supposed to be shining within. We ought to see our hearts as a pit deeper than hell, but no, instead, we see ourselves as pretty good. And we wonder what's wrong with Christianity today. We wonder why our churches aren't bursting the seams. We wonder why the world's still dying and going to hell when we have an attitude of such pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's a mystery. That makes sense. You can't explain that. Bishop Berkeley. This is the good Bishop Berkeley. There's others that weren't. He lived back in the late 1600s. He said, when I pray, I sin. When I preach, I sin. My very repentance needs to be repented of. And my tears need washing in the blood of Christ. You kidding me? And that guy know his place in Jesus? I understand how righteous he is in the Lord. Doesn't he understand grace? You know what he understands? His sinfulness before a holy God. Outside of Christ, he has nothing and is nothing. Boy, what a humble spirit and what a humble heart. And what a heart that's been illuminated by the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ. It's as though he fell into that pit and prior to salvation he thought, I'm perfectly fine, at least I'm safe and I'm all right. And then the light came flooding in and he said, oh, how wretched I am. You say, well, I did that when I got saved. That's the last time I'll ever do that again. Okay. We wonder why we're not growing spiritually. We wonder why we get so offended at people when they don't say the right thing to us or do the right thing. When, in, well, when we're so great, why wouldn't we? Right? I mean, I'm so good and I handle things so well and I think I'm doing pretty good in my Christian life. How dare you talk to me that way? I can't believe you would even insinuate that. I'm offended by that. It's because you're so high and mighty. We need to get a little bit more like Jonathan Edwards and say, boy, when I look into my heart, I don't see good. I perceive its infinite wickedness. I think it's a pit deeper than hell. 
That'll change your attitude toward others real quick. When you change, when your attitude toward you changes, everyone, your attitude toward everyone changes. You know, you watch in a world we live in, you see so many angry people. You want to know why people often are so angry and hateful? Because they don't like who and what they are. And so they cast that out on others. I hate who I am. I can't stand myself. And so I hate your guts too. What are you looking at, you idiot? Quit staring at me like that. You know what their problem is? They don't like themselves. And I'm not talking about having a good self-image. I'm talking about we better get to the place where we can go to God's word and see ourselves for what and who we really are and then recognize Christ for who he is and this mystery, Christ in us, because he is everything. He makes us complete. Without him, we are incomplete. So what we find out then is this, that we got two men in there. We got the old man and we got the new man. Now things that once presented no problem in our minds brings tremendous concern and conviction now. I mean, the old man or the nature is fine with certain thoughts, actions, feelings, and behavior, while the new man's not. And that old man says, awesome, while the new man says, oh. The old man says, why not? While the new man says, hold on there. You can't do that. It's not right. The old nature says, boy. That's a really good song. But the Holy Spirit says, don't listen to that music. It isn't Christ honoring, it feeds the flesh. The old nature says, I sure enjoy watching this show. But the new nature says, it's time you grow up spiritually and say no to yourself and yes to Jesus Christ. See, when you get saved, you got two natures. You say, what's that? A mystery. It's a mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So as we conclude, when you got saved, Christ moved in. Let me ask you, how clean is the house? Have you cleaned up the mess and removed the clutter that sin leaves behind? Are you constantly trying to keep it clean? Are you determined to make Christ feel comfortable and at home in your body? We need to remember what kind of place he is used to. He came from heaven. Where everybody waited on him hand and foot. Yet Christ is in you, the hope of glory. He's in me. What are we doing to make him feel at home in this old, wicked, sinful body? What are we doing about it? Because if we're not trying to do something, then we're not trying at all. Wouldn't it be pitiful to think that we're just saying, well, Lord, good luck. It's not my problem.
That's yours. It's kind of sad to think we'd even say that to the Lord after all he's done for us, isn't it? And yet, let's be honest, I think we probably have all have hinted at the Lord in that direction at some point. It's pretty pitiful. It ought to break our hearts. What a mystery. Christ in you and me. And the fact is, he's in you, he's in me, he's in every believer. That's a mystery. Finally, who's on the throne of your life? Who's on the throne? Again, there's, there's a pretty big seat up here. So I'm going to tell you something. Brother Mark and me get up here. There's only room for one of us. Brother Don and me, we come on up on stage. There's only room for one of us. Brother Joaquin over there, he comes up here. Let me tell you something, I ain't sharing the seat with you. There's only room on, for one of us on this seat. And in our hearts and in our lives tonight, there's only room for one on the throne. And if I'm on the throne, Jesus has got to be somewhere. He's at my feet. Can't even imagine. When I try to wrap my mind around that thought, I can't even imagine that. Yet how many times have all of us, if we're honest, put ourselves on that throne and expected him to bow before us? That's really what we're doing. May God help us to recognize this mystery in our life, to guard it, to care for it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when we remember that truth, let's make sure that we put Christ in us on the throne. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for the privilege and the opportunity that we've had to be here tonight and just take a few moments and consider these truths. And Lord, in our own lives, Lord, we can recognize tremendous need. We think about just that dark pit and as the, the light comes crashing in and just illuminating the pit, we recognize all the grotesque things about us and we realize and recognize the environment we're really in. And Lord, I pray that as you are in us that you would continue to illuminate our hearts and help us to see areas that we need to clean up and clean up so that you can be more comfortable within. And then, Lord, may we never, ever forget about you in us. And in remembering so, we always, always choose to put you on the throne of our life. We thank you now, Lord, and we give to you the glory and the honor. And we thank you for this wonderful mystery that is a biblical truth. It's as true as creation itself. It's as true as the virgin birth. It's as true as any other truth in the Bible. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.